they sold for over $500 million. And they were founded about 10 years ago. And I think they sold one year ago. And so that's a massive outcome. That's one of the biggest media acquisitions or biggest media company sales ever is a newsletter business called Industry Dive. I'm Jim Huffman, and this is If I Was Starting Today, a collection of conversations about half-baked startup ideas, growth tactics, and stories from founders, including my own journey as a business owner. All of the content is centered around one question. What would you do if you were starting today? Today on the podcast, I have a friend of mine, Matt McGarry, also known as the Newsletter Growth Guy. So just as a warning, this episode is super tactical. So Matt's background is very impressive. He worked at The Hustle and really helped grow that email list, adding six figures of emails before they got sold to HubSpot. He then started his own agency. He helped the Milk Road, a crypto agency owned by one of the hosts of My First Million, help them grow by adding on over 100,000 emails. And then they sold for seven figures. Since then, he's been on a tear, starting his own agency, helping other companies grow their newsletter. And he even has his own newsletter, Shocker, that is just dripping in knowledge with how to grow. So this episode gets real tactical. We talk about why you should start a newsletter, the business behind it, how you can actually make a lot of money doing it. Then we get into what your angle should be for it. Talk about how to get your first thousand signups, 5,000, 10,000, and 50,000, because there are different tactics for that. Um, and then from there, we get into examples of what he did with The Hustle, with Milk Road, um, and the different things he's learned along the way. We give, even get into some growth tactics and hacks on how to run ads specifically for growing your newsletter. And at the end, as this kind of new agency owner, a little bit of a therapy session as far as how that's going running his own business. But um, again, if you're at all interested in growing your email list, this one is a much listen, but really hope you enjoy this episode with Matt. All right. Today on the podcast, I like to find guests in an interesting way by just stalking them on Twitter because they're making amazing content. And then I reach out and I'm like, you need to come on to the podcast. And today I have someone that really inspires me of what he's putting out there. And he's the newsletter guy, Matt McGarry. He's done some very impressive things, grown newsletters from like 10,000 subscriptions to quarter million that have been sold for seven figures. And he's going to come on and give us all of his secrets. But Matt, what's up, man? Glad to have you on. Hey, what's up? Thanks for having me on. It's good to connect. We've talked a few times. You helped me out at my agency a lot. And so it's good to do this. I think I discovered you through a Trends Facebook group a year or two ago. Yeah, that I haven't been as active there. But, you know, I, I would do like some, I'd try and really test some content there, just to be very honest, to, to see if it would make noise or get business. And it was really active. And I was very impressed with the people that came from it, but I haven't been as active there. But, but before we even, you know, dive in, could you just give a little background on yourself, like kind of becoming the, the newsletter guy? Yeah. My background is I've worked in marketing, direct response marketing. It's my whole adult life almost. And then back in around 2020, I got a job at The Hustle, which is a newsletter that now has, I think, over 2 million subscribers. And so I worked there for about two years. That's how I got, I was in marketing before digital marketing, but that's how I got my start in media and newsletters and how to actually grow a newsletter and media business. And so that was an awesome experience. And I kind of parlayed that into starting a marketing agency for newsletters. Yeah. And I, I feel like I know, like I used to work in Urban Daddy, which kind of was inspired by Daily Candy that sold for, I think, 150 million. And they were just an email oh. newsletter. I work there. And so I, I really understood the power of newsletters and how to monetize it. And I thought I knew some stuff, but I did a call with you, a paid call, which by the way, very impressive on your form. You make people pay to speak with you. So you get the riffraff out. So well done. And that's something we might try and do. But I was very like impressed with our 30 minute call. But one thing you and I were talking about beforehand is I don't think people understand what it means to start a newsletter. Like, oh, cool. People get a sub stack and they're just sending out content and then maybe something good will come from it. They don't understand the, the business behind it. Can you talk about first, why someone should start a newsletter and two, how can you make money from having a newsletter? 
Yeah, it can actually be a, a really awesome business model. And that's what attracted me to working at The Hustle. I was just fascinated by this business model where you send an email every day, you get one or two sponsors in each, in each newsletter, and it's a really profitable business. It's basically you have a writing team, you have a growth team, you have an advertising sales team, and it's a really simple and profitable business model. And there's been some really interesting outcomes. So The Hustle, the company that I worked at, sold for $25 to $30 million dollars in about five years. And that's just one of the outcomes that are kind of on the smaller end. If you look at the biggest newsletters out there, I think the biggest one people wouldn't even know of, it's called Industry Dive. They sold for over $500 million and they were founded about 10 years ago and I think they sold one year ago. And so that's a massive outcome. That's one of the biggest media acquisitions or biggest media company sales ever is a newsletter business called Industry Dive. So that's really cool. Morning Brew, which most people know, that's kind of the most common and well-known one sold for 75 million. And then the Milk Road, which is one of my first clients for this agency, they sold for seven figures. Like the estimate is, is I don't know the exact number, but you know, said four to seven million. And they started that company and sold it in 10 months. And so there, there's some like outcomes on the big end of the spectrum too, like big, big businesses, multiple employees scaling quickly. But there's also lots of kind of indie businesses, solopreneurs who are using newsletters to grow businesses that are at, you know, 10K to 100 thousand dollars per month. And you don't really hear about those either. So I'd like to break that. Actually, quick question on industry dive was, is there a content B2B focused or B2C focused? It's B2B. And that's why a lot of people haven't heard of them because they don't have their brand doesn't industry dive. That's kind of the holding company. They have all these separate brands for different industry verticals. So they have banking dive, HR dive, CFO dive, et cetera, like construction dive. And so they have all these B2B publications for these different verticals. And they have probably 20 or 25 that are super successful. Yeah. I mean, B2B is definitely where the money is from like an advertising standpoint. If all of a sudden you can be like, hey, you can get in front of all these CMOs or director of operations or, or whatever that is. There's people that will pay a lot of money for those eyeballs. Not to say like Morning Brew or Daily Candy that's more consumer facing isn't great, but like the cost per impressions, the CPMs might not be as valuable as B2B. Is that, is that what you see as well? Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a sim, same business model, but different mechanics to it. And mm-hmm. so B2C newsletters that focus on business news, sports news, lifestyle, et cetera, they're selling ads more based on a CPM on opens. So they pay, they, they charge based on 1000 opens. And usually that CPM is between like 25 to $50 per 1000 opens. However, B2B, the number is just much, much higher. It can be $100 per 1,000 opens. It could be $1,000 per 1,000 opens. The ranges are, are really broad for B2B because it can depend on a lot of different factors. And the reason B2B can charge so much more for a sponsorship in their newsletter is because of the people they have on the list. They basically have a lot of business decision makers, CEOs, CFOs, marketing officers, marketing people on these email lists. And the advertisers are usually companies that have enterprise level products, products that have an LTV of over $100,000 per year like high enterprise software services, stuff like that. So if they're able to pay tens of thousand dollars, tens of thousands of dollars for one sponsorship in one of Industry Dive's newsletter, and they get one customer from that, they get an ROI on that investment. And so there's a really interesting advantage to, to going B2B versus B2C. Oh, yeah. And I see it too with a lot of people kind of in our space where they've got email lists of 50K to 100K and they're making, you know, three to seven K per email send. And that's, that's a really nice business if you're sending like three per week or, or even more. And so obviously there's like ways to monetize it where you're selling the ad units. And obviously people are buying these companies. There's an exit at the end of this rainbow. So it's like, all right, sold. Let's do this. As far as launching a newsletter, I want to start from scratch. If I'm someone that wants to launch a newsletter, how do I get started? Where do I go with like how I pick a niche or how I name it? Should I do paid versus free? What's some of the frameworks you use if you're trying to start something from scratch and guarantee success? Yeah, the first thing I think about is something that I would call a content market fit. So a lot of people have heard of product market fit. And so for news, a newsletters, content, this is of course, so you're going to have this a little bit different version of product market fit. And so content market fit is kind of the intersection of what the market is interested in, what people want to learn about, what people want to read about, what you can actually write about. So your skill set, your experience, your writing skills, and like how they come together, right? So if you have experience and skill sets that 
a lot of people are interested in, you can kind of just start there. So what I find that works best is people who have deep experience in one area. Maybe they've worked in the industry for multiple years. Maybe they had a unique life experience, or maybe they're just a really skilled writer, whether they're a journalist or they're just an entertaining, funny writer, and they can parlay that into the right topic. So number one is developing that. So how do you develop that? I think it comes down to, to picking a niche and starting very niche and like expanding later. So I like to say, pick one niche and then dial that in one, the two niches deeper. And so, for example, tech, the niche of tech or the niche of business or finance or sports, it's just too broad. There's so many publications around that. You want to find something, you want to find your tribe kind of within that. And so if you like football, there's something within football. Maybe it's even deeper than football. Maybe it's fantasy football or daily fantasy. If it's business, maybe it's media businesses. And then below media businesses, what's even more niches, newsletters, what I talk about. So. There's no perfect answer to finding your niche. It really depends on what you're interested in, what your experiences are, and what you see, what opportunities you see in the market to cover. And then you really just need to start writing and getting responses to that writing. It doesn't even need to be a newsletter at first, necessarily. You can just start writing on whatever platform or publishing on whatever platform you prefer. So that could be Twitter, LinkedIn, or a really popular basis for newsletters. I would probably recommend those, but also, you know, publishing on Instagram or TikTok could be great too. And you want to just publish consistently. So you need to figure out what that is for you. That could be, for me, it's one thread a week, one tweet a, tweet a day. For someone else, it might be one video a week or three videos a week. And see what type of content, what type of topics are hitting and getting a great response. And that's going to help you identify what your newsletter is about. And that's how it starts. So step one is pick that niche. And then there's lots of steps after that I can dive into too. Yeah. So it's, it's like picking that niche where you can really own it and have a voice. and. I also like even you do a great job with your your Twitter bios, like newsletter guy. I know that if I see content from Matt, it's like turning on the TV. If I go to ESPN, I'm gonna see sports. If I go to MTV, I'll see music. And if I see you, I'm gonna see newsletter content. So you can own that category. One thing that I've struggled with with our newsletter is how much of it is original thought leadership content versus how much of it is curated, right? And then I, I see some other communities like Trends did a great job of a curation of the community. Are there other content formats people should think through to make content that, that really resonates? Yeah, that's a really good point about the position of your, of your topic too, just to circle back to that. Like that, that's really key. And that's something you want to think about as you're writing content. How can you pick a category that you're the best in the world in, right? And how can you be the go-to person in that category? And it's a lot easier for people to pay attention to you if, if they know exactly what they're going to get when they come to your newsletter or your social profile. But to get into what that content looks like. I, I've seen this framework by, I think Dan Oshinsky, if I'm saying his name right, he has this, this framework about the different types of newsletter voices. And I think it's a good way to think about that content format. And so he, he, there's five, and I think these kind of categorize all types of newsletters. So there's the analyst, and this is someone like a Ben Thompson who analyzes industry. There's a curator, like we just talked about, someone who summarizes things, who links to things, who finds interesting things. They bring value by finding the most insightful and interesting things to their readers. Number three is the expert. So someone who's just awesome at a particular topic that could be like sports, swimming, newsletters, whatever. I, my content probably falls into the export category. Then there's the reporter, which is journalism, essentially. And then there's the writer, which is kind of a catch-all category where there's like, this is creative work. This is someone who's sharing, I would say, like personal advice, personal development, a lot of times art, stuff like that. And so I like to kind of they pick one category or a combination of two. Ideally, I think every newsletter should have some curation. However, it's really hard to start with only curation. Uh, it may be if you have an existing audience, starting a only curated newsletter is helpful. So people like James Clear and Tim Ferriss, they have these newsletters. James Clear is one to three newsletter. Tim Ferriss is the Five Bullet Friday. They're both all curated newsletters. And But before they started these newsletters, over the years through their writing and podcast, et cetera, they built up a massive audience. And so they can kind of have a easy to produce newsletter that people subscribe to because they're just interested in what they have to say because they've already read their original work, right? And so I do think it's hard to start just curated. However, the great thing about curation is even if your original work you have in the newsletter, let's say you write like a how-to piece in your newsletter about something, maybe people aren't interested in learning about that topic that day. However, if you have you know, five to 10 pieces of curation below that or above that piece, there's probably at least one or two things in that curated news or curated content that people are going to be into. And they're going to keep coming back to your newsletter because of that curated content. So I like to pick one of these and then add curation onto it. That's such great advice. And even that's how 
we did our newsletter with starting with curation and we'd sprinkle in thought leadership pieces, but it was so hard because you just get busy and we do it even just weekly. And the curation allows you to one, hopefully give something for everybody, but also on those weeks where you just don't have the stuff, you can still add value without writing a 2000 word article or doing something. And like what we've done for original content, like this podcast is kind of one form of that. We build in public. That way, the byproduct of us growing our startups is content. So I'm always interested in how you can repurpose things. But sometimes nothing's as good as just making content that's specific for the newsletter. Yeah, and I think there's a way to do it so it doesn't require a ton of effort. Because you have to think about this all the time. If you're going to be publishing this newsletter weekly for years or daily over time, eventually, usually it just makes sense to start weekly, then add more sense as you grow, right? So you have to have content that you can consistently do, right? And so 2,000 words every week or every day just isn't doable. And that may not even be what the audience wants, but maybe there's other content formats that you can make consistently and that are still insightful and original in some ways. Yeah, Dan, I want to get into your your content machine and operations, but we'll stay on this path. It's like, all right, we're sold. Let's do this. Let's do a newsletter. Let's sell for seven figures or more like the Milk Road. We've picked our niche. We've picked our content format. How do I get my first thousand signups. What are the things you do? Because so many people are launching newsletters now. It's very crowded. It's like newsletters are cool again. How do you kind of rise up from the noise? I think the first 1000 is really all about publishing and getting yourself out there. And most of that's going to come through social media. I like to pick one platform because it's hard to be, especially when you're first starting out, you can't do all the platforms. Maybe you can do two that kind of pair well together, like Twitter and LinkedIn seem to pair well together. But I, I would just pick one to start with and start publishing about your topic. I mean, it could be if you're publishing a weekly newsletter, you're just repurposing that content every week into a thread or into a LinkedIn post, or you're repurposing that content, the long form content you write into five different tweets throughout the week. And just, you know, it's going to, when you start off and you have zero followers, it's going to take time to grow that. Those people like the content, they'll share it. Twitter has, you know, built in sharing. So does LinkedIn. And so if that content resonates, it's going to grow. And that's how you're going to get your first 1,000. There's some other basic tactics that um, make sense to do too. So like having that, of course, you need to make your social bios for all your platforms very clear and have their call to action for your newsletter. So Twitter bio has to have a clear call to action, link to your newsletter, same thing with LinkedIn, Instagram, et cetera. Adding that to your email footer is really helpful. Sharing with like your closest friends and colleagues is really helpful to get traction and like get you to commit to something. You know, if you have 10 friends or 10 colleagues subscribed and expecting a newsletter every week and expecting content every week, that's going to keep you motivated to actually keep writing it. So you kind of have to put those little commitment, commitment things out there, out there to yourself. And that's really, 1K is maybe the hardest part, but also maybe the most simple. When you get past that mark and you see you have some type of content market fit, then you can start to the, get into the more sophisticated growth strategies that we talked about, that we can talk about. Yeah, I'd love to get into that. So it's like, it's kind of scrappy, good content, distribution yourself to get to the first thousand. You did a really cool post on these different milestones and the different tactics you have to do based on your newsletter size. I'd love for you to kind of expand on that. Okay, so so first, like zero to 1K, I would say is publishing. Publishing on Twitter, LinkedIn, where, wherever your people are. That's where you're going to start. So once you have... 1k subscribers, you can start partnering with other newsletters to cross promote each other. And so these are called cross promotions or another form would be recommendations. If you're familiar with Substack, Substack made this feature really popular called recommendations where after you subscribe to one newsletter, they recommend other newsletters. And so you can start to cross pollinate with other newsletters that are similar to you, but non-competitive and start to grow with each other. And so the two ways are recommendations are really the easiest to set up because they're kind of set and forget. You just get a newsletter to agree to, agree to recommend with you and then Everybody who signs up may sign up for someone else's and everybody who signs up to that newsletter may also sign up for yours. So that's really simple hands-off. The second one is cross-promotions or some people call this ad swaps. And you're basically just going to have an ad for another newsletter in your newsletter and they're going to do that as well. And so you want to find people who, of course, are a similar topic, but also have a similar list size, similar open rate, similar click-through rate. And you want to have basically a small shout out in your newsletter for them and, and they do the same. And the best way to do this is probably with a tool called lettergrowth.com. This popped up recently. I also have some resources on my Twitter that do this. Basically, this is a directory of a ton of different newsletters. And you know, if you're publishing in the space, you're probably gonna know what newsletters are similar to you anyways, and you can just reach out to them. But if you need to find more people, lettergrowth.com is a good resource for that. And this can take you, I mean, 
it's a really simple strategy, but people have added tens of thousands of followers or subscribers rather just by doing recommendations and cross promotion, sometimes many more just from these two different strategies that are same in some ways. And so once you get to 1K where you actually have an audience to do that, I would recommend doing that as your next growth strategy after social content. It's so interesting because we've been very like just bottoms up making good con I hope we think is good content. And just recently we did that path of trying to partner with different platforms that connects you with other people's list. And we were getting like 200 email signups per day. I have not seen letter growth. I will definitely be checking that out. And so you, you start to grow, you're getting to five, maybe 10,000 email signups. What, what's some of the next tactics you do after that? Yeah, I like the next one is now we have a bigger audience and maybe now that audience will be open to sharing the newsletter with their audience, right? So the next tactic I would look into is a referral program. And I think this is really popularized by Morning Burn the Hustle. It's what's called a milestone-based referral program. There's different ways to do it, but this is probably the, the simplest ways to start. And this basically is every time you refer someone or one of your readers refers someone else to the newsletter, they get a sign up for you. They get a reward after a certain milestone. So that could be for my newsletter. I basically have like a PDF guide. I give it one referral. I have another like piece of content. I get five referrals and then I have an online course that I give away for free when someone sends me 10 referrals. There's tons of examples for this. Morning Bird also have done a lot of like physical swag. So like 10 referrals, you get a t-shirt, 25, you get a sweatshirt, 50, you get a hat. That may not be the best way to do it for most people. However, if you have a brand that's like, has really cool branding, cool visuals, I think physical swag could work well. It really depends on what you need. So my newsletter is more based on business advice. So I give away digital content for people. However, physical stuff works too. And so the way I would do this is look at a bunch of other referral programs and see what they're doing and see how you can emulate that. So Morning Burn, The Hustle are good. The Milk Road had a lot of success with the referral program. I have one too. People can check out a newsletter operator. There's probably a ton more you can look at. And then the way you set this up is with tools that there's custom built tools for this. So the most popular one is called Sparkloop. Sparkloop also has a ton of content about how to set this up. And then also Beehive, which is the email service provider that I use, has this as a feature, has a feature built into their, their product. So you don't even have to use a third party tool to set this up. Are you a business owner in desperate need of talent? but you have issues finding good people. Or worse, you find the talent, but then they want you to pay them double what you have budgeted. Yeah, I know the feeling. This is where Remotely Talents can help. Imagine having a personal HR team that finds you A-plus talent, and here's the best part, it costs you 40 or even 80% less than US employees. It's magic. So let's say you need help with setting up your social ads, your Google ads, email marketing, website development, customer service. Their team sources the top Ukrainian talent for you and they deliver three top vetted candidates straight to your inbox. It's a one-time payment and best yet, they give you a 60-day guarantee to ensure you're happy. Hey, if it doesn't work out, they'll find and replace the talent for free. Even better, 3% of all sales go to the Children's Hospital in Ukraine. At Growth Head, our agency, we've hired four people from Ukraine. I am blown away by the level of work we're getting. So whether you need a virtual assistant or a creative director, give this a try. Go to remotelytalents.com right now and start a conversation. See if they can help you. You really have nothing to lose. And I saw another, like James Clear, I think he does like a, you know, refer and get a secret chapter that he, wasn't in Atomic Habits that I think's performed really well for him. That I, I like that. I think low referrals and giving away a digital product or something digital that doesn't cost anything to you makes a ton of sense. And so that at the Milk Road, we gave away like a report that was called like what crypto whales are buying and selling right now. And it was basically they interviewed 10 to 15 people who were like huge crypto investors and they asked them about their investment strategy at the current state of the market. And that generated, I think, over 20 or 30,000 signups just from referrals. And we gave that away for people who referred one reader to the newsletter. Um, so I like that. Like one to three referrals, you get a digital product. You know, later on, you can give away more. If you have a product that you're open to giving away for free, like you have an online course, you have a physical product, whatever, then you can give away at 10, 20, 25 referrals. That one works really well, too. That's a, that's a really good example from the Milk Road. Okay, so now now we're approaching like, 10 or 25K, 
when do we start monetizing the newsletter and when can you start doing paid tactics for the newsletter? I think depending on your newsletter topic, you can start monetizing as soon. It really can depend a lot because like at first your ad prices are going to be really low, especially if you have 1000 subscribers. So maybe it makes more sense to sell a service, sell consulting, sell a digital product. But when you get to 5k, 10k, 25k, you can definitely start monetizing with sponsorships. And so at that point, your, your newsletter definitely should be monetized in some way after you get past one or 2,000 subscribers, whether that's with ads, affiliates, something else. And the way to, maybe we'll circle back to monetization, but the way, once you get to maybe between 10K and 50K subscribers, a great way to grow is with paid ads, with paid marketing. And that's what I've done a lot for newsletters like The Hustle and The Milk Road. And the types of ads that work best are basically social ads. So Facebook ads, Instagram ads. TikTok ads. Now Twitter ads are becoming more popular too for newsletters. The ad platform there is changing. But this is a, the other tactics are mostly investing your time. Now we're talking about investing money too. So it's a little bit of a higher risk, higher reward strategy, but it's a very scalable strategy too. At the hustle over, I think the lifetime of our like Facebook ad campaigns over four or five years, we generated over 800,000 subscribers just from Facebook ads. For the Milk Road, I drove probably over 150,000 subscribers just from Facebook ads, not including other ad platforms. And so it's a great channel. However, you got to do it right because you don't want to be throwing away money. You don't want to be acquiring subscribers at a crazy high cost. So I can dive into how to and do that exactly. Yeah, because I mean, I think a lot of people like with our team our agency, we do quite a bit of paid ads. We're selling products. We're selling software. Right. As opposed to just going for the, the cost per email sign up. You know, what, what are some like quick tips or advice you could give to people on, on how to think through those ads? Yeah. So number one is pick your app platform. I really recommend the Facebook app platform. It's the easiest to use. It usually has the best cost, most effective, best targeting options. Your audience for most newsletters, your audience is going to be there. I think like 40% of people on the internet use Facebook or Instagram every single day. So you're going to find people there, right? A lot of people say their audience isn't there. They really are. Maybe they're more active on Twitter or something else, but they're in, they're on Facebook and Instagram too to hang out with their family and friends. So that's the platform I would pick. And I would start with making a great landing page. I have some content about this on my Twitter website. Hard to explain how to make a landing page visually. Like we can talk for 20 minutes about landing pages, but we won't get into it, but it's really important. And I like a simple, short landing page that basically just asks someone to enter their email address to sign up. So you want to have that in place. You also want to have a thank you page in place because we find that tracking based on a URL redirect, what Facebook calls a custom conversion, is a lot more effective than tracking based on a button click or, or something else. And so you want to have a great landing page people sign up to. Once they sign up, they're redirected to a thank you page for your newsletter. Of course, you want to install your pixel. We won't get into every single detail about how to set up Facebook ads, but that's where you want to start. And um after you have your landing page set up, you have your pixel set up, you have your custom conversion, you've picked your ad platform. The next step is targeting, or I guess the next step would be your campaign type, actually. So there's the campaign type, there's who you target, and then there's your, your ad creative. And so the campaign type is, is simple, but some people mess this up. You want to use a conversion campaign. I think what Facebook calls now a lead campaign. You A lot of people would pick a traffic campaign because they think I want to get as much traffic to my website as possible. However, Facebook, basically any ad platform, will send you very low cost traffic that just doesn't sign up for your newsletter. They almost over-optimize for the objective you pick. So you want to pick the right objective and that's going to be conversions or leads. And then you want to do your targeting. So the targeting depends on your newsletter topic, but the easiest way to set up targeting is just to target other publications that are similar to yours. So if you're about sports, you're going to target ESPN. If you're about business, you're going to target Wall Street Journal, stuff like that. And you can also use look like audiences, which I think a lot of people know about where you upload your email list and Facebook goes, creates audience that is similar to that. And they find people that are similar to the people that are on your email list, right? Look like audiences. And so the final step here is ad created. And this is one, again, it's kind of hard to explain without a visual, but we have one of the best ways to learn about it is just to look at what other great newsletters are doing. So all the people know about the Facebook ad library, you can look up a Facebook page of other popular newsletters like The Hustle, Morning Brew, Milk Road. We'll talk about other newsletters later. And to see what ads they're running and get some inspiration from the copy, the types of images, the types of videos. What's really working best now for newsletters on, on Facebook and Instagram ads is what we call UGC videos. These are like short, usually 15 to 25 second videos of someone shooting selfie style. If you can do this yourself as like the newsletter writer or founder, that's even better. But you can also pay people to do this for you on Fiverr. Or if you just Google UGC videos, there's tons of marketplaces to find people who will create videos like this for you. And so basically have someone make a, a video that's kind of somewhat similar to a testimonial 
about why your newsletter is awesome and why people should read it. And so that's kind of what the, the Facebook ad pro process looks like. And you don't need to do every single ad platform. You don't need to have 12 different ad platforms. There's, I think, maybe a billion people on Facebook. I have no idea, but there's got to be hundreds of millions of people on Facebook and Instagram that you can reach. So there's enough people on that platform to grow your newsletter to millions of subscribers, right? And then over time, you'll, you'll test more as you get good at Facebook. Yeah. No, yeah, I, I think so many times just with our agency, we see people try and diversify too soon on channels when they haven't squeezed the most out of one channel and maximize their spin there. So I, I, I totally agree there. So I'd love to hear. So you joined the hustle. Talk to me about coming up with a strategy for acquisition and how you kind of took the reins to do that. Was that something they were already figuring out or was that something you're able to innovate on or were you just putting gasoline on the fire? Because I'm what I'm getting to is how you really perfected your craft at the hustle and then how that kind of led to this move to go out on your own thing. Yeah, I came on an interesting time where the hustle was really focused on the trends.co product, which you know about. You were in the Facebook group there. And so that was a subscription paid newsletter. And they were so focused on that. That was a great product, awesome product community was providing recurring revenue where the hustle newsletter was kind of left behind because the entire team was focused on that and they had no one assigned to actually grow the hustle. So at the point I came on, the list was actually declining. We were at like 1.5 million before I came on. And by the time I got there, it was like churning down to 1.3 million, somewhere in that range. And so my job was basically be totally responsible for the hustle newsletter and growing that to over 2 million subscribers. And so I kind of had to, because the list was declining and there wasn't a lot of marketing there going on. I kind of had to figure out the marketing strategy from scratch. However, there was obviously years of work before me to get to over 1 million, but I had to kind of start and reset the marketing strategy. So number one was figuring out what we called self-serve advertising. So that was figuring out Facebook ads. Facebook ads had been a great store channel for the hustle historically. It had generated like over 800,000 subscribers or maybe 700,000 before I started, but it had kind of fallen behind. Cost had got higher, the ad formats had changed and they hadn't really innovated on the Facebook side. So step one was figuring out Facebook ads. And then second to that was like figuring out new channels, that new, new paid growth channels that we wanted to explore. So at the time back in 2020, TikTok was somewhat new ad channel. So that was the one we dove into next. And so Facebook, pretty soon after that, Facebook and TikTok ads became one of the biggest growth channels for the hustle. We figured out how to do UGC videos, UGC video aggregate, like I just talked about for the hustle. We were really good at that. Before I came on, they were basically using all images and the kind of the ad, like the the way ads worked had changed. You know, it had moved from images working the best to videos working the best. So we we got really good at finding dozens of different actors to make videos for the hustle and use those videos as ads on Facebook, TikTok, Instagram. So that was number one. And then the second thing we did a good job of was figuring out affiliate marketing. And this is something they had dabbled in a little bit, but I went a lot of steps further to optimize it. So it kind of, well, affiliate marketing is a lot, a lot more opaque than like Facebook and TikTok ads. Anybody can get started there. It's, it's a little bit more challenging to start affiliate marketing for a newsletter because if you, you're not a certain size or you don't have a certain budget, you can't even explore this channel. You don't have five or $10,000 to spend with one of these affiliate partners, they're not going to consider working with you. But I can talk a little bit about that. It is a really interesting channel because most people just don't know about it. Like they know about Facebook ads, they know about all these app platforms, influencer marketing, but they don't know. Affiliate marketing is somewhat on the underbelly of the internet, if you know what I mean. Oh sure yeah. A little bit about it. Yeah, and um, there can be like some, not a, some things people like, oh, we don't do affiliate marketing where other businesses, that they just explode on the back of it. Yeah, I'd love to know like what what worked with affiliate marketing. Yeah. So, I mean, Facebook, TikTok, and referrals were always core and also organic traffic. We've got a lot of SEO traffic. We converted the website visitors into subscribers. That was like our core um, high quality subscribers. So we were able to get a lot of extremely low cost, lower quality subscribers from affiliate marketing. Gotcha. Oh, that, that's super interesting. So it, it, it's clearly going well at the hustle. Well, what's interesting is if people listen to this, maybe listen to my first million, you, you work with two companies owned by people from my first million. What was it like working with Sam Parr? It was good. I didn't get to work a ton with Sam. We more like just chit-chatted because I came on about I think four to six months before the hustle was sold. And so once it was sold to HubSpot, Sam wasn't like directly managing, wasn't doing stuff like that. So I worked a lot more of the rest of the team, Scott Nixon, many other folks there. 
So Sam was awesome. What I've learned from Sam and also Sean Purry is like the tenacity that they get after things and like the expectations they have. It reminded me a lot of like my high school football coaches, like the type of managing they were doing. They're like, let's get this done yesterday uh, and have it kind of been reality a little bit and have expectations that are a lot higher than your average person. I think a lot of people would be happy with a $3 a subscriber from a Facebook ad. But mm-hmm. Sam was like, we need to make this 50 cents and we'll figure out how to do it. So yeah. it's a lot of fun. Yeah. And I think the right team members could respond really well to that or maybe they won't, but that, that's really cool feedback. And then, yeah. so, so it's clearly working at the hustle. When do you make the move to go all in on your own thing? And then how do you land the milk road as a client? I mean, it's probably from your track record, but that, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. I kind of just somewhat dabbled into it and then fell into it because I wanted to, I was working at HubSpot or I was working at the hustle at HubSpot and it, the company changed a lot. I didn't want to keep working at a big tech company and I, I, I applied for shipping jobs, but really I, I was very picky. I couldn't find the job that I wanted. So I was like, I'll try some freelancing. So I reached out to Sean Purry, who started the milk road in January. I think I reached out to him like late January while I was still working at the hustle. And he said, yes. And I started doing that on the side of my main gig. And then eventually that went well. I was really enjoying the work. I had some more, I guess, referrals or like some more people I closed through cold, cold email. And then at like, I think only two to three clients on that kind of freelancing for other newsletters, I kind of took the dive to do that full time. And it wasn't until a few months later where I really decided to turn that into an agency and not just, you know, consulting or contracting by myself. Yeah. And what? who else? I mean, you've got a pretty impressive list of companies you worked with. Anybody else to like call out or lessons learned? It's cool to hear what you learned from Sam and from Sean, but anybody else? The Milk Road is really interesting. We can dive into that. 40 is one that I've worked for a lot. It's one is like really under the radar, kind of like industry dive. It's extremely successful. Well, most people wouldn't know about them. They have a newsletter of over 2.3 million people. I and mean, I've worked with over 20 newsletters now. Ben Spites is one I've worked on more recently. It's like a really fast-growing AI newsletter. And so maybe we can talk about some of the the more recent strategies that like they're using currently. Yeah, I'd love to hear that. Yeah, Cody Sanchez. Yeah, but that's... So maybe we'll dive into Ben's bite so we can circle back to any other ones that are interesting. Again, Ben, I just started working with him really recently. So I've, I've only kind of seen what he has done and we just started in the past two or three months. And basically, one thing that's helped him a lot is just like being early on the trend. And so everybody went when... Chat GDP launched, I guess it's, it's got to be two or three or, f- or five months ago now. Ben had already had AI newsletter that had launched three or four months before that and was publicly talking about it on, on Twitter daily. And so one interesting strategy that he used to grow the newsletter was kind of being the reply guy. And so every time there was a big piece of AI news that dropped, Ben re- would reply to it and be like, hey, this is awesome. I'm adding this to my AI newsletter tomorrow. And then he would link to the newsletter. And so mm-hmm. he would reply to people like the CEO of, of Google. And the CEO of Google's tweet had millions of impressions. And then Ben would be the first reply and he would get, you know, 50,000 impressions. And then he would get hundreds of subscribers from that. So just owning that AI category on, on Twitter and being the first and best in that category helped a ton. And then now we're kind of accelerating that growth with paid acquisition with marketing on, on Twitter ads, Facebook ads, TikTok ads, et cetera. The reply guy is a great tactic. I, I've heard people talk about that and I've seen it work. Even when I've tried to do it, it's, oh, wow. Like the engagement that can get is, is insane. So that, that's a really cool one. He has a great referral program too that's generated a ton of signups for him. And so if you look at his newsletter, binsbytes.com, I think, it's very curated content. So there's probably 20, 30 different links a day to all the t- different AI news, different AI tools that are out there. And then he has created kind of like a really organized spreadsheet or a database of all these different links that have been on the newsletter. And there's thousands of them now because he's been sending every day for months. And so if you refer one person to the newsletter, you get access to that database. And so if you're already interested in the content, you're going to want to have access to that to find more content like it or, or have it in a more organized fashion. So that is, has got to have done at least 10,000 subscribers for him. Man, that's awesome. And yeah, it's really nice to ride the AI wave that's only going to get bigger and bigger and bigger as people want to learn about it. So you're, you're now this agency owner. Like, what, what has it been like being as this kind of accidental agency owner? What's your, your kind of takeaway after kind of getting it going and getting it working? But now you're, you're kind of building this team. Yeah, I've been lucky to kind of fall into the right niche. I mean, I kind of, ex- I wanted to work in, with Hustle for years, like I DM Sam Parr one or two years before I got hired there because I was interested in the business. I was trying to share insights with him. 
And so I guess it's been a long time coming, even though I've only just started the agency about 11 months ago. Right. And so I guess what, it, first of all, I, I just wasn't sure what I wanted to do because before I started with the hustle, I did a lot of freelancing. I was like, I don't ever want to do client work again. But then I kind of heard, if you're familiar with what's the name, the guy from tiny.co, Andrew Wilkinson. Yeah. Or talk about his agency on my first million and talk about that being the building block to build his other businesses, it being a cash flow asset, the advantages of building an agency business really resonated with me. It's one where you, one of the few businesses where you can get started and have immediate cash flow, immediate profitability, do the service yourself. Nothing really out there exists. I mean, media is kind of comparable to that where you can start a newsletter and have very low cost, start a YouTube channel or something like that. But it's, it's almost a lot harder to get traction on those types of businesses and a lot easier to get started on an agency. And so I, I, I like it in that way. Of course, there's still struggles every day, but like one, one strategy has worked well for me is hiring people from other good agencies. And so I have, and also hiring people from other great newsletters. So I've hired people from Morning Brew. I've hired people from other very successful e-commerce agencies. And I basically just use the tactics and strategies that they've learned at their other jobs and apply them to my agency. So that's worked well. I'm up to five part-time people now. And I think I, I plan to keep using that strategy over and over again, just, just grabbing more people from this company isn't having them work part-time for me. Totally. Getting the been there, done that person can take a lot of weight off of your shoulders and a lot of stress. There, I mean, there are good up-and-comers that you can train, but when someone just hits the ground running on day one, you're like, oh my goodness, thank you so much. <laughs> so, well, very cool. Well, well, one question I always ask is, what is the nicest thing anyone's done for you in your professional career? Yeah, I don't have a great answer to this. I would say my manager of the hustle, Scott Nixon, he was kind of the the CEO of the hustle, essentially. He was kind of like leading the team there and I, I reported to him. And just talk about the best manager I've ever had, helping me grow personally and like figuring out what my goals are and what I wanted to do. He pushed me there. And the piece of advice he gave me, I think when I left was like, if you're good at something or if you have experience with something, just double down on that. And that's what kind of encouraged me to actually go out and do this because I didn't think I, I didn't think the category was big enough to have a marketing agency or even a media company about newsletters. I thought it's such a small niche, like people don't really care about this. It's so tiny. When I listed out like potential clients for this agency, I could only list like twenty or thirty different companies. But now there's there's literally thousands that could be clients for this. And I guess it's growing a lot too. But Scott giving me that advice to like, like you have experience for this, you you're already in newsletters. Just keep doing it and see what happens. Helps so much because people, you know, they look for people who have experience and authority with other big names in the industry. And if you're able to build on top of that instead of starting from scratch in another area, that helped me a time. Because I was going to go work in SaaS or work in startups or something completely different. And I would have to start kind of build my career all over again versus just going on what I did. Yeah, it's nice because I love this idea of escape velocity where you build up this experience at other companies, but then when you burst out to do your own thing, you have all this momentum and you are really able to to harness that very well. And I, I mean, I think it's smart. Like my favorite agencies are the ones that do that where you do something well, like you said, it's like gross marketing, but then you take it one step further. And it's like just for newsletters, because whenever people are like, oh, I need to grow my newsletter, it's not even, oh, look at all these other options. Like, oh no, go talk to Matt. He's literally like the guy. And so, no, man, I think it's, it's really well done. And it's, it's cool to have someone that, that had your back and kind of gave that recommendation. Anything else you want to hit on? I feel like you just put on a masterclass for, for newsletter growth, but what didn't we cover? Yeah. I mean, there's so much, I don't know how much time you have. We can talk about the milk road a little bit. That might be the most interesting case study because they sold for seven figures in 10 months. They grew from 10 K subscribers to 250 K subscribers in 10 months. And that's one, I was the first person hired there part-time yeah, to work on this. So. I've, I've, I've got five more minutes. I'd love for you to just riff on that because I think that's such a cool story and the fact that you came in at such an early point. Yeah, it shows that it's... it's news. I think we're going to see more newsletters in the future have a lot of success stories like this. I think we're just getting started in the newsletter space. I mean, there's the Daily Candy, the Skim, the Morning, morning Brew of like built industry, but we're going to see a lot more niche newsletters pop up and have these quick success stories in the milk road was like a matter of basically two things being having great content market fit. I would say three things actually great content market fit, hopping on a trend that was exploding and being really good at, at paid acquisition. And so I was really helping in that third area. And so Sean and Ben Levy, who created the milk road, 
They were amazing at explaining crypto in an easy to understand, funny way and publishing that daily. Obviously, the trend was happening at the time back in January of last year. It was actually kind of on the downturn of the trend in crypto. So that was a bit of a struggle, but they, we still rode that trend. And then mm -hmm. being great at paid acquisition was basically taking everything that I did for the hustle and copy and pasting that strategy in Milk Road and doing the exact same thing, just applying that to a different newsletter and then putting money behind that, growing from, you know, 10K to 250K in 10 months. 85% of that subscriber growth came from paid acquisition. So Facebook ads, TikTok ads, affiliate marketing, and a little bit of referrals. And so that's what made it successful. I can even break down, like, we, to kind of dive into that, because I think people find the numbers interesting. I yeah. think over 150K from Facebook ads, north of 30K from TikTok ads, north of 20K from referrals. And the rest is kind of miscellaneous, Twitter, direct sources, stuff like that. What's like the average cost per email that you're going for on that? At the lower ends, when the market was really booming, like April of last year, March of last year, we were getting subscribers for $1.10 to $1.20. And then when the market started to slow down, our costs went up to, you know, $1.50, $1.70. We started to spend less too, but that's really good. I usually shoot for under $2 and we were just crushing that, that mm -hmm. target. Yeah. Now, the other thing that I think they did really well was create a brand where they could really create kind of this following because you could just be like, oh, crypto weekly or whatever. But instead, it's, you know, let's create a brand around this, which can be a little bit harder when you're getting started because, wait, what is this? But once people resonate with it, it, it really clicks. And I think that aligned with the type of content they made. Yeah. And the funny thing is they're all about moving fast on things that are important. So they, they got a great domain. They had a great writing voice, but they actually didn't create the, the, the character and the logo and their brand colors until they reached 100,000 subscribers. They were like, we're not going to even make a logo until we're at 100K. Yeah. So I think there's value to that too. But then when they did do the brand, they did it amazing and it's super memorable and awesome. Yeah, they, they really kind of knocked it out of the park with that. Because even like ours, it's like startup growth by growth head. And I think it needs a little bit more soul to it. But I was just like, let's just go and prove this. But that's uh, that's really good feedback. It also speaks to the speed of let's validate this is there, get 100,000, then we'll invest in this. Or is there thing founders or first-time founders could be like, oh, let me spend a lot of time on these things that maybe not, might not move the needle, needle, like your brand or your colors or things like that. Yeah, you can get paralyzed by the, the tiny things that aren't really important. Oh, yeah. Until later, at least. Yeah. Well, so what last thing I say, what's kind of the end goal? Because I think you and I are drinking the, the, the same Kool-Aid as far as the playbook that Andrew Wilkinson has with Meta than to Tiny. I mean, that's kind of our goal is we're like doing the startup studio. Is, is that kind of the end goal that you have with your agency or what, what's kind of the, the next thing after you get this thing really working the way you want? Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to grow vertically right now. So I'm going to go on the agency, but I'm going to basically my audience's newsletter founders, operators, and media companies, and also content creators have a newsletter. And so I basically want to build products up and down the value ladder for those people. So right now I have an agency that's probably higher on the value ladder, but I want to create, and you know, I have a free newsletter that's lower on the value ladder. I want to kind of fill that in. So I want to create an online course that's you know, probably going to be between 100 to $2,000, that's a broad range, but it's going to be filling that in. So <laughs> yeah. people who can't afford my agency, they can get more information from the course. And then maybe there's something above the agency or maybe there's parallel products in different ways I can help people. So right now it's really focused on still helping newsletters, but just helping them in different ways. And then hopefully over time, I'd love to explore different stuff, but I really feel like I got to maximize this first before I go to a different type of product or different niche yeah. rather. It makes total sense. That way you're helping people at every phase of their newsletter journey from hiring the premium agency or give them free content or a course to get them started. But, and what's cool is as you're building your own audience and following a newsletter, you know, they're going to be interested because there are different phases and the different things that you offer. So no, man, that's, that's awesome. Where can we send people if they want to learn more about you and, and what you're doing? Thank you. The place where I publish most is the news, newsletteroperator.com. So that's my newsletter. And then I'm most active on Twitter. My handle is at J Matthew McGarry. Yeah, I definitely recommend the follow. He's just dropping knowledge. Like even some of your newsletters, I'm like, oh my gosh, I would have spaced that content out over three weeks. You just put so much good stuff in there. But no, man, really appreciate it. It's so cool to see what you're building and the rate that you're building it at. But I look forward to talking more. Yeah, thanks for having me on. This is awesome. I loved your questions. Yeah, thanks, Pat.
I'll give a few plugs. First, I send a weekly newsletter each Thursday featuring five articles or tools that have helped me. You can sign up for these weekly updates at jimwhuffman.com. Second, for anyone running a startup, if you need help growing your business, check out Growth Hit. Growth Hit serves as your external growth team. After working with over 100 startups and generating a quarter billion in sales for clients, GrowthIt has perfected a growth process that's hell-bent on driving ROI through rapid experiments. Plus, you'll get to work with yours truly. So if you want to work with a team that's worked with startups that have been funded by Andreessen Horowitz or featured on Shark Tank, then check out GrowthHit.com. And finally, I wrote a book called The Growth Marketer's Playbook that takes everything I've learned as a growth mentor for venture-backed startups, and I've distilled it down to 140 pages. So instead of hiring a growth team, save yourself some money, get the book, and you can just do it yourself. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I'd love to hear feedback. I'm on Twitter at Jim W. Huffman. Are you a business owner in desperate need of talent, but you have issues finding good people? Or worse, you find the talent, but then they want you to pay them double what you have budgeted. Yeah, I know the feeling. This is where Remotely Talents can help. Imagine having a personal HR team that finds you A-plus talent, and here's the best part, it costs you 40 or even 80% less than US employees. It's magic. So let's say you need help with setting up your social ads, your Google ads, email marketing, website development, customer service. Their team sources the top Ukrainian talent for you and they deliver three top vetted candidates straight to your inbox. It's a one-time payment and best yet, they give you a 60-day guarantee to ensure you're happy. Hey, if it doesn't work out, they'll find and replace the talent for free. Even better, 3% of all sales go to the Children's Hospital in Ukraine. At Growth Head, our agency, we've hired four people from Ukraine. I am blown away by the level of work we're getting. So whether you need a virtual assistant or a creative director, give this a try. Go to remotelytalents.com right now and start a conversation. See if they can help you. You really have nothing to lose.